Praise God. Are you ready to get in the Word? Amen. Well, bow your heads. Father, we come to this holy moment. We thank you for the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Father, your Word says it's by the foolishness of preaching, the simple act of proclaiming the message of the gospel, that all men are inspired to believe and to come to you. Father, I just ask that you'll just use me as your instrument uh, in the next moments. Father, I just yield myself to your Holy Spirit and would ask that you would give me the tongue of the learned. Help me to speak a word in due season to these precious people. Not my mind or opinion or conviction, but to articulate your mind, your heart, your plan, your word for this moment. We just open our hearts to it, Father God, because we trust in your divine love. And I thank you, Father, for the agency of the Holy Spirit that's going to help us all to grasp and take hold and be forever changed by what we're about to hear. I thank you for it. Satan, I bind you. And I say you have no lot. You have no part in this moment whatsoever. So you would just cease and desist in the name of Jesus from any and all maneuvers against this meeting, against this gathering, against this service, and against all of us. The blood of Jesus is against you. You're defeated and we're victorious. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin uh, today uh, what I have to share with you from God with a short video. And uh, today I, I was instructed by the Lord. Even, I love when He even gives me the title to a sermon. It just makes it easy on me, you know. Right. And so today we're going to talk about what I believe is God's most unpopular gift. God's most unpopular gift today. And uh, I wanted to show you this video of a precious young man being witnessed to by an evangelist named Ray Comfort. And what you might notice in him, it's just a few minutes long, is just a sweet, sincere young man uh, that is really representative of a lot, a lot of people in our culture today. And let's just see what this moment and what God did for him. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you know in your heart you're doing it for the right reason, love. You have nothing to worry about in this world whatsoever. It's called faith. Let's see how you're doing. You think you're a good person? Yes. How many lies have you told in your life? I've lost count. What do you call someone who's told lies? A liar. So you've blown that one. Have you ever stolen something, even if, you're s even if it's small? Yeah. Have you called someone who steals? A liar. <laughs> Thief. If you deny that you lie, steal, cheat, and deceit, you become those things, and that's what you have to understand as a human is that you can't lose yourself in yourself because that's the double-edged sword of love. It's out there. You just got to find it for yourself in order to truly know what it is. And I just want to push that to everybody. <laughs> that's no, you were saying that you found yourself. What are mankind's origins? Where do we come from? Women. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, originally, I don't mean from your mother. I mean, where did, what's, what's the origin of humanity? Authenticity and love. No, the origin. Where did we come from? What was in the beginning? Man and woman. <laughs> yeah, but for man and woman. Who created man and woman? A higher power. And who was that? God. Okay. <laughs> Why do we exist as human beings? To love. Okay. And where are, you where are you going when you die? Whatever you did here, it depends. <laughs> That's true. Now, third commandment, you should not take God's name in vain. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? Never. Never, because you honor her, but you haven't loved and honored God. You've used his name as a filth word to express disgust, which is called blasphemy. So serious, 
It's punishable by death in the Old Testament. Appreciate your honesty and your, uh, and your patience with me. Now, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes, I'm a man. <laughs> Have you had sex before marriage? Yes, I'm a man. So, Murray, I'm not judging you. You judge yourself. But you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments, I've looked at four, you're going to be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. <laughs> now, does that concern you? Deep down, yeah. Man, it horrifies me. We've just met. I love you. I care about you. The thought of you going to hell just breaks my heart. Do you know what death actually is, according to the Bible? Ultimate enlightenment. Well, no, it's wages. It says the wages of sin is death. God's given you death as wages for your sin. He's paying you in death. He's given you capital punishment. Like a judge looks at a heinous criminal who's raped three girls and then murdered them. He says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. And sin is so serious to God, Mario, that he's given you capital punishment. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart. Now tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you remember? <coughs> he came up with the idea that depending on what you do here, you're either good or bad, and that's it. You just got to stick to that and have the faith in that. No, that's not what he did. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for the sin of the world. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. Mario, if you're in court and someone pays your fine, a judge can let you go. Did you know that? You can say, Mario, there's a stack of speeding fines here. This is deadly serious. But someone's paid him. You're free to go. And he can do that, which is legal and right and just. And God loves you so much, he became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul and then jesus rose from the dead and defeated death mario if you give up the battle and just say god i'm a rebel and you repent and trust in christ god will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift do you believe what i'm saying yes it's the gospel truth i wouldn't lie to you are you ready to repent and trust in christ yes i pray with you <laughs> sure Father, I pray for Mario. Thank we met today. Thank you we met today. I pray today he'll truly repent and trust in Jesus. And have a well, well, well. <clears throat> Praise God. God is so good. How many people out there do you think you mingle with every week that are like Mario? Many. Many. You know, I'm concerned for our nation. I'm concerned for people. You know, Jesus is alive. You know that God is real. The sky didn't just get there. The tree didn't just decide to be a tree. You know, if I were to present to you, go into the nursery, and present to you the most simple, hardback, you know, thick children's book that had cardboard pages, maybe 10 pages long, very simple sentences, right? Even colorful, very simple illustrations. I'd like to ask you a question. Can a picture book write itself? If I gave you a trillion years, 
of time. Could that picture book ever write itself? The illustrations, the sentences, the thoughts conveyed. What's more complicated, your human body or a picture book? Come on, bye. There is a God. And the Bible says that only a fool says in their heart that there is no God. So if we could just at the beginning of this service stipulate that there is a God, I, would, I want you to ask yourself, if God were to judge you today by the Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? Have you ever told a lie? Let's not pick on Mario. I mean, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen something like a pen from the office that wasn't yours? Yes. Have you ever looked upon a woman to lust after her or a guy? Taken God's name in vain. Had an idol, which means you put something, an event, or someone in God's place. Well then, come on, many of us in this room, if not all of us, would be liars, thieves, adulterers, sexually immoral, having taken God's commandment, in, you know, His name in vain. And if God were to judge us by the Ten Commandments, we would be in a bad way, would we not? But thank God, just as uh, Ray Comfort there was telling Mario at the end of the video segment I showed you, is that God, despite, in spite of our rebellion as human beings, as our living our lives as if He didn't exist. This is where I see many, many Christians. If you ask them, uh, or even just people, they don't, maybe they don't, don't go to church. Even today, a vast majority of Americans, if you were to survey them and ask them, they say that they identify with the Christian faith. But see, you know, if, they, if you get someone to acknowledge God, most people do, and then you ask them, well, why are you living like He doesn't exist? Why are you living as if He does not see, does not know, does not care about what you're doing? I'm here to tell you, this preacher here is to tell you, is that He loves you, but each and every one of us will be fully accountable for all of our sins if we do not take advantage of the most unpopular gift that God has given humanity. I'll give you the name. It's called repent. Everyone say repent. repent. The word repent in the world today is like a taboo world because we've, uh, many of us now have grown up in a culture that has espoused this idea that whatever will be, will be. Whatever you want to do, you can do. That God winks at it, He doesn't care. If you want to be a girl, be a girl. If you want to be a guy, be a guy. If you want to dress it up, sleep it around, drink it down, shoot it up, uh, mock God, curse God, trample all over His word and His ways, it's all all right. God loves us. Well, God does love us. But He abhors. He abhors sin of every kind and sin of every type. Ray Comfort told you right in that video, it's Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching at you, but I am preaching to you. 
Amen. And listen, we're all, we were all in the sin boat together. You know, for 19 years of my life, I went hard and fast after the devil. I didn't care what anybody did or, or didn't do. I didn't care about what people thought. I did what I wanted to do. I did what the world, I gave myself completely to what the world uh, espoused as fun. I broke laws. I yielded to my flesh. I committed all kinds of sin. And you know, I think a lot of people really misunderstand God. They give God a bad rap when it comes to sin. Like uh, they make God out to be a killjoy. Like he's just out to steal and rob from us all fun and enjoyment in this life. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. God didn't just randomly, you know, have a bingo dial and have an angel reach in and pull out a ball that had a behavior on it and said, oh, that sounds good, let's call that sin. You know, something's got to be sin, let's pick something. You know, that's not how it worked. Whatever the Bible outlines as sin is sin because, honey, it will hurt you. It will hurt you. Amen. Let's take sexual immorality. God created every human being to be a sexual creature. Amen. He made us that way. He made Adam. He made Eve and he put them together and introduced them as naked people. But he did that in a marriage covenant. Amen. A marriage covenant. I don't know if they wore rings back then, but you know they had rings on, you know, that kind of thing. And so God designed sexual expression and fulfillment and the means by which we're going to reproduce and, and fill the earth with His family. Amen? But He created a framework for healthy sexual expression. Oh, and I'm not mad at anybody. I, 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 I've made plenty of mistakes in this area. But what happens is Satan entices us to take something that God ordained as good in its, in its sphere, in its parameter, and to say, ah, oh, just apply it anywhere with anyone at any time. And the moment you take anything outside of God's parameter, you're outside of the safety, you're outside of the blessing. Amen? And it produces death and darkness. You know, I often tell my testimony... And a lot of times it, it sort of ends with where God invaded my life at a college frat party. Uh, I think it was 1992. I was a college sophomore. I was trying out for a local fraternity. And uh, so I was being hazed and I was doing everything that they challenged me to do. Alcohol contests and you know, just every, you know, uh, you know how it goes, you could imagine. You know, it was animal party times 10 or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's what they tell you. That's life. That's happiness. That's joy. That's fun. That's what you should do. Well, I did it. And, uh, and I was living sort of that way from about the time that I was a, uh, a late sophomore in high school. I really got into a, uh, a wild, destructive, rebellious, sinful phase in my life. And, um, you know, when I tell my testimony, I talk about being alone by myself with a long neck and a bottle of pills in a dark hallway to fraternity squatting down on my haunches against the wall, trying to figure out why I shouldn't take the whole bottle of pills right then. I always tell people I, didn't, I don't think I ultimately would have done it. I didn't want to die. But right then, I just couldn't think of a reason to live. God, I didn't see anything. I didn't have a vision. But I tell you what, God came into that hallway. And He confronted me in love. He was so sweet. 
and so kind. He didn't act moved or perturbed by what I had done and the damage that I had caused and the hurt and the pain I'd caused myself and my family and others. But he didn't pull any punches either. He told me I knew that what I had been doing was wrong, so he wasn't going to just deliver me from all of my habits and problems in a moment. But he said, Chris, take my hand. Take my hand. If you will take my hand, I will lead you out of here. On back to where you once were, which he helped me to know meant normal. You know, I was once normal. But I wasn't normal at that time. You know, if you're suicidal, you're not normal. That's not normal. You should love yourself. You should like yourself. I said, that's not normal. But then after they said, so if you'll, if you'll take my hand, Chris, I'll lead you out of here onto where you once were. And then he said something that, that captured my heart. He said, and then I'll lead you on into the things that I have for you. I was thinking about this, Maurice, the other day. No one ever told me. No one ever told me. My dad, I love my dad. And my, my dad, you know, how could he know? He didn't know. He wasn't saved until he was in his 40s. I'm not blaming him. I'm just telling you what happened. Nobody told me that God had something for my life. That he had a plan for my life. That he had a script, something great, something wonderful for my life. I never had the thought. I never had the thought that, that, that he had something prepared something made ready, something fulfilling, something that would echo throughout eternity if I was obedient to it, that would help people and, and help me. And when, he, when I heard that, there was no preacher there. It was me and darkness. And you know what? That sounded really good to me. So I reached out and I took God by the hand. Now, I didn't see a hand, but I just literally reached out and grabbed that invisible. And I, I imagined that with my hand, but I heard him. And, and he had, I wasn't as, I, I don't know how come I said it. It just came up out of my spirit. I wasn't intelligent enough to say it. But I said something to this effect. I said, now, Father, if you'll do what you just said, I give my life to you. And no matter what it costs me, no matter what I have to do, no matter where I have to go, no matter who leaves me, no matter what from this moment, I'm going all the way with you. And I've still got God by the hand today. Amen. Repentance happens in some different forms and people use different words. Amen? Can I tell you what biblical repentance is? Most humans out there think that to repent means to feel sorrow or to be sorry. That is not what biblical repentance is. Sorrow will come and the Holy Ghost will even make you feel sorry. He'll bring conviction into your life. You may be sitting here right now under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. You know, we've had people get up and leave this church and we find out, how come they didn't come back? They said, I can't take the conviction. What is that sense that you feel? It is the Holy Spirit, not me. Not my words. It is the Holy Spirit reaching out, trying to get you to repent. But the feeling of sorrow is not repentance. And most people don't even feel sorry until they get caught or until they get exposed. 
And then the sorrow only lasts for a moment. We get this thing calmed down. They go right back to thinking the way they were thinking, living the way they were living. Listen, when I left that frat party, I was not a perfect person. God was true to His Word. He didn't deliver me from all. I still went to bars. I still went to clubs. I still chased girls for a while. But in my heart, in my heart, I was committed to a different direction. And one, the one thing I left that frat party with was an insatiable, unquenchable thirst and desire for the Word of God. I know this sounds weird. I'm just telling you my story. Amen? I would go to Penny Beer on Thursday night, and then I would stay up all night till sunrise reading my Bible. Now, I never did that before. I said, that never, I never did that before. And as I fed on God's Word, as I exposed my life to the truth, uh, I, see, my heart was, I'm willing to change. I know I need to change my thinking, and I know I committed to God that I'm going to take my life a whole new direction. Biblical repentance literally means to change your mind. It means to reconsider, and it means to change your course. So biblical repentance has not happened in my life or your life until you have, in effect, you've changed your mind. And that change of mind has set you on a different course, meaning I'm not walking the way I was walking anymore. I'm not living the way I was living anymore. I'm not doing what I was doing before. I'm not, I'm not living in sexual immorality and just relying on God's mercy and love, knowing it's wrong. I feel sorry, but I like doing it, so I'm going to keep on doing it. That is not repentance. And repentance is a gift. It's an unpopular gift. It may be God's most unpopular gift. But listen, the only way for you and I to escape the wrath and the judgment of God is to repent. God's not winking at what you're doing. Hello? You know, did you notice that Mario, uh, he counted himself a good person? That's not going to gonna get you to heaven. That won't get you to heaven. That won't get you out from underneath the weight of your sin. Only repentance will do that. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 2. Now, I got a lot of my church people here. At least y'all should be saying amen. amen. And do you know that um, as a, once you get into the family of God and you're a Christian, you're not done repenting. I repent all the time. I said, I repent all the time. Now, thankfully, as I grow, I'm repenting less and less because I, I, I'm endeavoring to grow and, and, and make changes. Preaching good. Amen. Praise God. But I think, I think humanity out there, if they're, if they're giving God any attention, any thought at all, they're, just, they're, they're not worshiping God as He is. They're worshiping God or they're, they're thinking about God in a way they hope Him to be. In a way they wish Him to be. People wish that God would hear our justification for our lifestyle and say, okay, like the nation has said okay, like the culture has said okay. But God will never be okay just because the culture is okay. Never. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, He said, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. 
Just because we're over in the New Covenant does not mean that the Ten Commandments of thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not have any idol, any other thing or person in front of me. You shall not covet another man's wife. Amen. Pray, another wife's husband. You shall not commit adultery. God hasn't changed his attitude about that because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for people who did that. Oh, thank God, because that was me. But to take advantage of that, to get that into my life, I had to repent. Which, what's that mean? That means I had to acknowledge my wrong. I had to call wrong, wrong. I had to realize that I had sinned against God. I was worthy of judgment. I didn't want to be judged. He offered me this gift. I took it. And please take it if that's you here today. God's not mad at you. But we're going to read here in this passage just one of many passages I could read that there is a future day coming where God is going to shut the door on grace. And He will turn and now the theme will be judgment for those who did not obey the truth. And every day, every moment while you sit here, we march closer to that day. Amen. All right, in Acts chapter 17, verse number 24, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Classic Translation, so you might want to follow on the screen. Verse 24 says, The God who produced and formed the world and all things in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, He does not dwell in handmade shrines. Neither is He served by human hands as though He lacked anything. For it is God Himself who gives life. Who gave you life? You know because God gave you life, you're accountable to Him. God gave you life, you're accountable to Him. You know, if I created something, it's mine. If I made something, it's mine. Amen. And you don't have to serve God. He's he's created the place for people like that. Who don't want to be in His... You know, people say, and it's obviously hell. Well, what is hell? I can't believe God would do that. God really didn't. Hell is just the defined outcome of your choice. So think about this. I, I don't want anything with... I don't, I'm not going to live for God. I don't want God. I want, I'm going to do my thing. Okay, you can do that. But God is light. That's why hell is described as a place of complete darkness. Because you chose to be where God isn't. God is the source of all true peace. You don't want Him. That's why hell is described as a place of unspeakable torment. You, you don't want to serve God. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to be good. You don't want to obey the commandments. You don't want to follow God's plan for your life. He'll let you do that. But did you know that He's the source of life and health? He is the healer. Hell is full of sickness, disease. I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. Hell is not a little red schoolhouse where you're going to go and finally learn your lesson, and then He finally lets you out of detention. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you go there, you will never come out. It's in this life that we have this gift. It's an unpopular gift, Reverend Pam. But He has given us a gift called repentance. 
why, why, is repentance, could, why could repentance be reviewed as a gift? Well, number one, because for re- repentance to take place, you have to have the work of the Holy Spirit to get you there. Did you know me? None of us would ever turn to God if the Holy Spirit didn't work on our heart. My words won't be enough to convince you. But the Holy Spirit will work on our heart and He will make us aware of our need for Him. Well, God didn't have to send His Holy Spirit to do that for you. He didn't have to do that. He could just leave you to yourself. God didn't... God could have just stayed in church and not gone to a frat party. But I found out God goes to frat parties. Amen? Another reason why you should see repentance as a gift is because uh, He didn't even have to make a way for you to come back to Him at all. He didn't have to send His Son. If God came to me and said, uh, would, you let, would you give your son to die? I'm going to let this other stranger go. And by the way, this stranger over here, he hates your guts. But you could, you could make a way for him to live if you give up your son to death. I'd say thanks, but no thanks. You go find somebody else. I'm keeping my son. No way. No thank you. I already quoted it in the service, but the Bible says in Romans that God has commended his love toward us, even that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So see, repentance is a gift. He made a way. You don't have to take the way, but it's a gift. Amen. All right, praise God. Let's see how far we got here. So uh, he gives to people all life, breath, and all things. And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined your allotted period of time. See, God put you in this world at this time. Amen. And he fixed the boundaries of their habitation. He's already defined how far you're going to go, how far you're going to travel, where you're going to, all of that. Amen. Verse 27, so that they should seek God in hope that they might grope or feel after him and find him, although he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Skip down verse 29. Since then we are God's offspring, we ought not to suppose that God, the deity, is like gold or silver or stone, a representation of human art or imagination. You know, just because you think God to be a certain way doesn't mean He is that. Just because you want God to treat you a certain way doesn't mean He's going to do that for you. Amen? Look at verse 30. Such former ages of ignorance, God, it is true, He ignored and allowed to pass unnoticed. But now God charges or commands all people everywhere to what? To repent. Notice how the Amplified defines it for you. To change their mind for the better. And to heartily amend their ways with abhorrence of their past sins. Because He has fixed a day. I want you to notice this with me. Don't, don't, Don't go to lunch on me yet. Amen? God has fixed a day in which He will judge the world righteously by a man whom He has destined and appointed for that task. And He has made this credible and given conviction and assurance and evidence. He has proved that this day is coming and the man He appointed, Jesus Christ, is going to judge the world on this fixed day. He proved it by all humanity by raising this man from the dead. Ooh, glory. 
Now go with me to Romans chapter 2 for a moment. We go to 12 or a little after, so if you're watching a clock, I hope you're not, but amen. Romans chapter 12. And I want you to know up front, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent. I'm going to give you a gift for God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So in Romans chapter 2, and for time's sake, I'm just going to jump right to my New Living Translation. So we're going to look at verse 4, starting in verse 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, writes this in the New Living Translation. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from sin? I wrote this here last night studying this. Many people have adopted lifestyles of sin. They, they, and some of them grew up in the church. And they, they've already made Jesus their Lord. But consciously, willfully, knowingly, they march right into darkness to do things that are not even speakable. And a big space of time, I'm talking years has gone by. And it seems like things are all right. I got a good job, I'm healthy. Got some money in my pocket, got a car to drive. I don't have to spend my Sundays at church. I don't have to do that. I'm getting away with it. Don't, this is what I wrote down. Don't mistake a time of God's mercy for His approval. God's being good to you, sure enough. But don't deceive yourself into thinking that because 10 years has gone by and everything seems to be okay, that you're getting away with it. Nobody's getting away with it. The wages of sin is death. Listen, I, I'm going to try to compress this sermon here. I, I came loaded for bear, but uh, amen. The Bible says ponder. What's that mean, Faith? Ponder. Think about. Think about the path of your feet. You know, I don't know that dogs in the animal kingdom has this capability, but right now where you sit today, you can put yourself out five years. So you're on a path. You came into this church today on a path. You're walking a path. Take yourself out five more years. Take yourself ten years. Take yourself to the end of your life. Where's the path lead? Do you want to end up where this path is taking you? Well, I'm planning on getting off when I'm 85 and taking an off ramp. You may not make it to your 85. God's not promised you that. I'm telling you, it's a serious thing. That's why it's quiet in here. I'm okay with it. You need to be thinking about ponder the path of your feet. I have a lot of my own church people need to ponder the path of their feet. Amen. Praise God. Ponder the path of your feet. The Bible says that there is a way, and it seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. Now, because the wages of sin is death, we know that the way he's on is a sinful way. It is a sinful way. But God offers us a gift. Oh, thank God. All right, verse 5, Romans 4, 5 says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin. Now, here's what I want you to notice this truth. This is not my opinion. I'm reading from the Holy Writ, okay? You are storing up for yourselves terrible punishment. Did you get that? Pastor, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't come here to this service today to hear this. Sorry. 
Amen? We didn't invite you here today to be popular with you. We invited you here today because we love you. I love you and God loves you. And God, in His mind, in His heart, He does not want terrible punishment to come to you. That's why He sent Jesus. God poured all His the sinful punishment on Jesus so that you and I wouldn't have to. But if we don't repent, see, then we're still in line. And every day that goes by, the storehouse of God's divine punishment gets larger and larger and larger. Notice this is another confirming verse of what I was saying, a fixed day from the book of Acts. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. Not according to their fanciful wishes and intentions and what they thought God would expect of them. He's going to judge us all according to what we have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Notice that. Those who keep on. Those who keep on. I didn't write that. Well, I accepted, you know, I, I, I'm a thief today. I'm a scoundrel today. But when I was in the fourth grade, I went to VBS and asked Jesus into my heart, so I'm good. Honey, honey, what does this say? This says right here, amen, that he will give eternal life to those who keep doing good. You've got to get on the right path and you've got to stay there. I've got to stay there. Those who continue to seek after the glory and the honor and the immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and his wrath on those who live for themselves. Hey, this is just very plain. Who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There's going to be what? Trouble. Calamity. For everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. The Jew first and also for the Gentile. That, that's, that's all of us. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. And God shows no favoritism. Just because God on that particular day is in a really good mood toward you, if you haven't repented, you will not escape. Now in the, in the uh, King James Bible there, Paul uses four words that describe what is coming for someone who has an opportunity to repent but refuses to do so. And you, you don't have to repent if, that, if you need to. You can just keep on being stubborn and willful. You can, right? But here's what, if you do that, if you leave this place and you had an opportunity to repent, and, you, and God will still chase you, but here's another th reason about repentance being a gift. He offers that for a temporary period. So you might wake up next week and, and the, Holy, the Holy Ghost is leaving you alone now. Esau, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he sought repentance crying. He couldn't find it. He waited too long. Repentance is a gift because he gives us a space of time to repent. Amen? And if we don't take advantage of it, we could find ourselves in a really bad way. But you don't have to, and Paul describes, so if you refuse to do it, you've had your last day, your last good day. If you want, anybody want good days? I, I like good days. I want good days. But if we refuse to take God up on His unpopular gift, we've had our last good day. What's in our future? Well, Paul uses the word anguish. I looked up the word anguish. This sermon just gets better and better, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. Anguish is defined as extreme pain. 
sorrow, distress from disrepair and remorse. Anguish. The next word he uses is, is tribulation. That word means severe affliction, distress of life, vexations, troubles of every kind. Troubles of every kind. The third word is indignation. That word means the anger of a superior, usually ascribed to God, extreme anger, and the just punishment of an offense or a crime. So I guess there's three words there. Well, I don't want anguish. I don't want tribulation. I don't want indignation. I found out myself. I could not violate God's will in the name of fun and escape the consequences of what he called sin. I cannot tell you what sin did to my soul. It turned me on myself. I used to just be me. I used to, at that point, I used to just be a kid. I used to just have fun. I used to just be innocent. But then I had become this twisted, marred, hard-hearted, calloused, empty, unfulfilled, sad, depressed, suicidal soul. I found it in the Word of God that the Bible says, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. And listen, you don't get to break up someone's marriage in home and rip away parents from their children for sex and not have anguish of soul. You don't, you don't get to walk away from a marriage because you're not happy and destroy a home and children's lives and God not judge you for that. But He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want you to destroy your liver with alcohol and destroy your Christian witness by going to bars and living like a fool and cussing like other Christians when you should be holy and living clean. You don't, we don't get to do these things without consequence. And yet in God's amazing, amazing love and mercy, He came to me, a sinner's sinner, and said, Son, here is my hand. I am offering you a way out of this. Take it. Praise God. See, what I've just described and what Paul has described in these verses is not the will of God for any person, but it will be the outcome for every person who does not repent. You know, the church needs to buck up and grow a spine and tell people the truth. Amen. You know, Jesus showed up on the scene. He picked up a message that John the Baptist, they put John the Baptist in prison. You know what John the Baptist's message was? Repent. Read it. He said, repent. Repent, repent, repent. You sinner, repent. Stop it. Stop it. Get the water. Stop it. Stop it. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. Quit it. Put your pants on. Live right. Go to synagogue. Read your Bible. Repent, repent. Stop being covetous. Stop stealing. Stop lying. Isn't that what they said in a veggie tale? Yeah. Yeah, yeah amen. That, that's serious. But then they put John in prison for that. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and this is what it says in Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now that after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and saying, just do what you want. I love you, and I'm going to die for you no matter what. That's not what he said. 
He said he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent. What's that mean? Change your mind. Change your course. Change course. And then it says, believe the good news. And this wasn't some bad news message. This is a good news message. Amen. Oh, praise God forevermore. Glory to God. Let's, let's finish. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I, guys and gals, I shudder to think. What would have happened to me, Sybil, if God, in His love like that, that powerful way, came into that hallway to rescue me? I'm already at the low of the below. What if I'd have said, shove off? What if I'd have, what if I'd have refused? to take that gift of repentance. I don't think I'd be here. I know I wouldn't be here doing this. No. No. And for all of these years, God has answered my prayers. For all of these years, He's protected me on highways. For all of these years, I've enjoyed the fellowship and friendship and companionship of a beautiful woman who likes me. It's amazing. She really likes me. I have kids that are my world. If I keep serving God, He's going to bless me with grandkids. Believe that. And I had to let go of my dream, Dakota to follow God's will for my life. I'm so glad I have. I never thought I'd leave the state of Oklahoma. I mean, that's God's country, right? I mean, that's the... No, I found out God lives in Kentucky, too. How about Illinois? Anybody from Illinois? Yeah. So I did have to go places. and I did have to go places, and people did leave me over it. It did cost me. Jesus never said that living for Him would not cost you. For some of you today, if you, for you to repent and get right with God, you're going to have to walk away with the one you're with. You're going to have to break fellowship. You're going to have to get right. You're going to have to make amends. You're going to have to tell God and people that you were wrong and you're sorry. But if you'll do that, God's going to put your life back together. He's going to flood your soul with peace. And all of that inward defilement, the weight you carry around on your shoulders in a moment is going to be gone. God's going to flood your life. And if you've never accepted Jesus, He's going to make you a brand new person. If you've been a, a Christian, but you've been away from Him, oh, come on, you're going to be that prodigal son that comes back. And what did God do? He didn't, the, the, the father of the prodigal son, He didn't wag His finger and say, I told you so, and... I mean, he restored him. He put this, he washed him and he put his, he put him back in his place. Put him back in his place. Praise God. In Revelation chapter 2, this is shocking language. In Revelation chapter 2, again from the New Living Translation, verse number 20. Now, this is Jesus talking to his church, okay? And in verse 20, it says, But I have this complaint against you. 
you are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Now, I want you to notice this. If you've got something, mark this. I gave her, that's a gift. I gave her time to repent. Do you see that repentance is a gift? I wouldn't turn it down. You may not get another chance. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn from her sexual immorality. See, God knows your heart. He's still giving you a chance to repent. No one's going to show up before His throne on Judgment Day and say they didn't have a chance to repent. I read this morning that five days before, five or six days before Marilyn Monroe killed herself, or how it died, however, I know it's a little bit of a mystery, before she died, that Billy Graham, the great evangelist, he was praying and he said, The Holy Spirit told me, Marilyn, to come and tell you about Jesus. So he went and got in front of Marilyn Monroe. Who else could? Whatever, <laughs> I don't know. He got in front of Marilyn Monroe. And said, the Holy Spirit told me to come and tell you He loves you, but you got to repent. And she said, I don't want your Jesus. And she died and went to hell five or six days later. God made sure she had time. She had an opportunity to repent. And all her fame and all her beauty, she thought she's a big shot. Five days later, she's in the flames and the throes of hell. She is there today. Ooh, I feel it getting heavy in here. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I'm going to throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. You don't get to keep doing what you're doing. I will strike her children dead. Now, I had trouble reading that last night. And I studied this deeper. This does not mean little kids. Her children here is a reference to her followers. See, she was preaching a message. God don't care if you sleep around. Have some, here's some food that we offered up to this false God. She taught to Christians that that was okay. Her children were her followers. People that believed her and acted on what she said. Jesus doesn't kill little kids. Come on. Amen? But it is important that you be careful who you follow. Amen. Then all the churches will know. It says, I will strike her children dead, her followers dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you Whatever you deserve. My, my, my. My, my, my. Praise God. I'd like the team to come. And uh, glory to God. You know, the gospel is the best message you ever heard. Because the Bible counted all of us under sin. It does say that the wages of sin is death. But right after that, there's a comma and a but. A B-U-T. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I would like everyone in this place, amen, when the instruments get ready, you can go ahead and play. But I would like everyone in this place to close your eyes. Holy Spirit of God, I did my best to proclaim the message that you gave me. I know it's an unpopular gift to people who are maybe not thinking right. But Father, in your great love and mercy, you ordained this day to give people you love and died for a hand, a way of escape. They have stored up wrath for themselves, but it can all be avoided and done away because, Jesus, you already came. You already died. You already shed your blood. You already bore our price. You already confronted and defeated Satan in the grave. And you've already proved yourself to be all that you said you were by being raised from the dead and you're alive right now. But God, there's people here today, they need to take personal advantage of the gift of repentance. I'm going to give them that chance. So if you're here today and there is sin in your life, and you're, not, you're on a path that's leading your, to death and you want off that path, and you are willing to change your mind, and you're willing to change your direction, I want you to throw your hand up in the air and say, Pastor Chris, that is me. That is me. I am that person. I'm, I'm not willing to go to hell for this sin, for this life, for this person. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to repent of my sin. So, okay, yeah, I see a hand over there. Thank you. In the wing section, you can put it down. I saw you. Y'all, I see your hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. In the other wing section, I, I see your hand. You can put it down. Praise God. The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repent, that leads a lady to repent. Praise God. It's His goodness. Don't, don't, don't shun His goodness this morning. Praise God. Praise God. You could be someone who's born again. You could be someone who's not, not born again. Praise God. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to take my time with this. Holy Spirit of God, just do your work. Now, remember what I told you at the beginning of this service? We're for you. We love you. I'm not mad at you. Praise God. Now, I, I see one that's got their hand kind of up. Are you worshiping? Or are you putting your hand up? You want to respond? Amen. I'm going to come to you. Everybody keep their eyes closed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are, are you worshiping, sweetheart? Or are you responding? You're responding. Good for you. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. I, I want us to sing a moment. We're all going to stand on our feet, but you're going to just stay right where you are. Praise God. Glory to God. Go ahead and sing a moment. Glory to God. This church loves you. I got, I, got right in a, I got right in a hallway. I'm so glad I got right. Not been perfect since then. I hope you're not uh, looking for the perfect church because uh, 
I ruined it when I showed up, so. Amen, and I'm not leaving. Praise God. Well, I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to dismiss. I want to say to those that are watching online, you're listening. We've got a large audience around the country. We're grateful for that, a growing one, I'll say. And if you're even listening to this podcast later and you responded and repented, you asked Jesus in your life or you just repented as a believer, got things right, let us know. There's email, there's website, there's the chat features, and we would just love to know that you responded uh, and that God used our ministry here today to bless your life. And to all of our visitors and guests, thank you so much for coming today. We love people. We love you. Amen? And... Uh, we, do a, a, we just cover a lot of subjects throughout the year. I'll teach on marriage and just, just all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but growing up in your walk with God is a huge part of what we do around here. And so don't just be a visitor to church. Come and be a disciple. If not this one, God's got a pastor in a church for you and your family. You're in the best one there is within an hour's drive, I'll just tell you right now, because I'm biased like I'm supposed to be. And, uh, but I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to let you go. We hope you have a great, great Sunday. But I'll be mingling around here. That's kind of my habit. And if you want to come talk to me, you want to say hi, I'd love to meet you, greet you, pray with you about anything, talk to you about anything you'd like to talk about. So, Father, I thank you for this day today. It's a different day. It was a wonderful day. And you said at times that we just need as a church to do the work of an evangelist, and that's what we endeavor to do. Father, I just uh, commissioned this great group and congregation into the escorting hands of the angels. They bear us up in their hands, lest at any time we would be injured or harmed. Father, I just so thank you that your dealings with us will continue and that God will all never forget that you're good and only good. You're good and only good. And you have good things for all who will take you by the hand. I call this group blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said Amen. God bless you, everyone. We we'll hope you come back. See us Wednesday night at 7 o'clock.